You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm back. <laughs> Welcome to Fantasy Basketball Weekly with me, Michael Florio, my man Frank Stample. What's up? I mean, you know what we got to start talking about right away, right? It's a given. No. The Knicks. No, I'm kidding. Injury, I'm right? kidding. <laughs> the trade deadline was Thursday. Yeah, and you missed our trade deadline extravaganza last week. I know. Tony and I trying to predict, I heard, predict I heard, trades. I heard some. Tony stepped in and, and was just the man like he always is. Holding down the fort. We, we found out Reggie Jackson was Italian, which led to a discussion about uh, is pasta. Is really? Yes, he's from Italy. Reggie Jackson. Really? Yeah. <laughs> If Tony Sincata, if you're listening, feel free to call in 844-843-6879. If you're at home listening, feel free to call in. You know, Tell us your opinion on the trade deadline. But, Frank, we discussed this trade deadline at nausea for, for weeks on this show, how people should prepare for it, how there could be all these big moves. And then we were let down, I would say. This was a huge letdown. This was terrible. All day long, we're hearing about... Paul George or Jimmy Butler to the Celtics. Uh, Paul George is likely to be dealt. We're hearing Derrick Rose for Ricky Rubio is going to go down. 76ers trade Nerlens Noel. Still looking for a suitor for Jaleel Okafor. Nothing. Speaking of Tony Sincata, on his show uh, DFS Today, he said to me, the trade deadline is going to be a letdown. He said it is every year. We always hear all these rumors. And the trades that happen are the ones that we don't hear about beforehand. And he was right because the biggest trade... Kind of came out of nowhere with DeMarcus Cousins. It happened days before the deadline, of course, but that really was the biggest trade of the, of the, the deadline. It kind of made the trade deadline anticlimactic in, in that regard, right? Because that was the climax of the trade deadline, and it happened so many days in advance. Everything else after that was just like went downhill. You know, we're talking about trades like Mike Scott getting traded. Tyler Ennis getting traded. You know, stuff that doesn't really matter. That's the that's the, the stuff that went down at the deadline, like really at the last second. And, you know, well, the de- it just sucks. Him getting traded early made the deadline more fun because he got to debut on the trade deadline day. But we'll get before into we get into that, who who is your big winners and losers of this? It could be players, could be teams. Uh, obviously, I love Nerlens Noel going over to Dallas. This is huge because he's going to be the starting center there. Andrew Bogut got shipped out to Philly. He'll probably get bought out. But Nerlens Noel moving over to the Mavs, I love this move uh, for that team overall. I thought it was a great move. Now he is a restricted free agent. But if you go out and trade for a player this young with his upside, I, I expect them to match whatever offer he might get. Maybe a near max offer because he is still so young. Uh, but a couple of years ago, when he was a rookie, his second half that year, he was so dominant in category leagues because he was getting two steals per game, two blocks per game. He was scoring efficiently. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, he's getting a lot of his points in the paint on put putbacks, alley-oops. He's scoring at an over 50% clip. Now, the free throw percentage is a drag. He's very much so in a DeAndre Jordan. I would say he is more polished offensively than DeAndre Jordan. But I do look at him in that same mold. He is going to hurt your free throw percentage. But now going over to Dallas Mavericks, they can finally unleash him, play him 25 to 30 minutes per game, and I instantly think that he could become a top 50 player for the rest of the season. I have two losers, and they're kind of intertwined. Okay, hit me. They're teams. The first is the Boston Celtics. Huge loser. Who 
are the second seed in the East right now. But Which makes us, me happy as a Knicks fan. No, I A actually, former Knicks fan. I wanted them to go all in because I, I like Isaiah Thomas a lot. Oh, I like Marcus on, Smart. You're rooting for Boston? I'm not rooting. For, I like the players on this team. Oh, and on, I also want to see some parity, man. I want to see a team that can go toe-to-toe with Cleveland. Do you want just Cleveland to march right through into the NBA Finals? Look. Toronto made some pretty damn good trades. Toronto made some good moves, and now I would say they're probably the biggest challenge for Cleveland. But we could have had three legitimate contenders in the East. You don't think Washington's legit? No. Just not enough No, I don't think they could beat Cleveland. But Boston has the pieces. And, I mean, we were talking about um, BFFs Thursday afternoon. Even make a small trade, like trade a Tyson Chandler, who was benched last night. Coach's decision. Did not play. So, like, he could have been had. Even tight. The, the, the they could have got him for probably next to nothing. The Suns as an organization and the coach and Chandler himself have said it's time to get Alex Lynn and these young guys involved. The biggest problem with trying to move Tyson Chandler is that he still owed over $26 million over the next two seasons. So that, that probably had a but, big but part beside, of it. Him aside, that was just one move we were throwing out there. They could have added, you know, solid... Uh, role pieces, but realistically, they were in on Paul George and Jimmy Butler. If they get one of those to pair with Smart and Bradley and Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford, you're telling me they don't stand a chance against Cleveland? I mean, I understand those. Pe- they wanted a lot for those players, and apparently, Boston was willing to give up the Nets pick, but they weren't willing to give up, you know, multiple pieces of Smart or they Bradley wanted or three, Jay Crowder. The the Pacers wanted three out of five in the Nets pick. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley. They wanted three out of that's, five that's of those pieces. That's a asking price. I get it. But I just feel like... Paul George is a top 10 two-way player in the NBA right now. I, and I feel like you could have got him. Maybe you get Jimmy Butler. And you have a chance against Cleveland. Now I feel like it's going to be a six or seven game series where Boston will squeak a couple of games away from them. But that's really it. And I really wish they went all in. I mean, you have these pieces in play. Like... You could say, yeah, they're young. They're, they have this top draft pick. They're going to be a team built for the long term, but you can never guarantee this success. You're never guaranteed next year. You're never guaranteed that you're going to get back. So I would have liked to see them go all in right now, You know, go toe-to-toe with Cleveland. The other team I have, though, as a loser. No, no, real quick. I want to touch on Boston because as much as it made sense for them to try and go out and get a superstar in Paul George, Jimmy Butler, I do agree with you. They need help on the interior, Mike. They cannot rebound the basketball. Al Horford is not a proven center that can rebound, that could give you double-digit rebounds per game. He's just not going to do it. As gritty a player Amir Johnson is, he's not going to get the job done. They really needed to add a big man here who can help them rebound because if you're going toe-to-toe with Cleveland, they have Tristan Thompson, who's one of the best you know, defensive and offensive rebounders in all of the NBA. LeBron James, yeah, he's over 33, uh, 30 years old, but he's a great rebounder as well. If they get Kevin Love back in the playoffs, he's a great rebounder as well. So you want to go toe-to-toe with Cleveland, you're not even looking at adding a legit rebounder, which is what they needed most. And we didn't even hear any talks about them being interested in Tyson Chandler or even, for that sake, DeMarcus Cousins. They could have easily been yeah. in the discussion That's for DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins, Cousins as well. It's been rumored for years that Boston had interest in him. That's really where I think he but should I, have ended up. I get why they didn't go after him, though, because they're building a culture there with Brad Stevens, and DeMarcus Cousins certainly does not fit that culture. Yeah, I just wish they added someone, something to you know bring them closer to Cleveland. Oh, screw them. I'm happy they didn't do it. I'm not rooting for Boston Celtics. I get the whole it's parody not really discussion. It's not a rivalry anymore anyway. The Knicks and Celtics? It's not. 
I mean, it's always an underlying thing, though. It's like, you don't really want to see Boston succeed. I don't want to see them succeed. I, I like that. I like the players they have on that team a lot. I like what Brad Stevens is doing with them. I'm disappointed think, in you. Mike. I think it would have been a lot of fun to see them in Cleveland. You know, have a hard fought series. You'd rather see LeBron James. No, I hate both. There you go. But so, I think Toronto can really do work against them. I, I think they could give Cleveland a run for their money. I, I don't think they could beat them. I think Boston, with one of those pieces, was better suited to beat them because they have the defenders in place. I don't think Toronto could stop Cleveland on, on the defensive side of the ball. I just I don't. I mean, the thing is, they still have, like, Kyle Lowry is an okay defender. They have Damari Carroll, who's a good defender. Serge Ibaka is a, is a good matchup against Kevin Love. He can guard him as well. I actually think they match up pretty all of, well all against Boston's the uh, guys Cleveland Cavaliers. Besides, like, Isaiah Thomas are solid perimeter defenders. That is true, but it goes back to it. Even if they added one of those superstar players, they still would get killed on the inside, Mike. So, yeah, we wanted to see them add one of those superstars, but they still wouldn't be able to rebound. To an extent, but Cleveland isn't a big team. Like, like yeah, Kevin Christian Love, Thompson is one of the best rebounders in the NBA. Mike. He's good, but like, but even on, like, their offensive side of the ball, like, Cleveland is, like, a, a team that spaces you out. You know, they don't, like, they're not, like, a team that's going to kill you down low. Like, yeah, they would have struggled for some rebounds, but I feel like the NBA is kind of switching, like, like, you see the Warriors play it. The Cavs obviously play a stretch-the-floor style game. I feel like even if you get a Paul George or someone like that who is a solid rebounder, a good on-ball defender. It definitely helps. I'm not arguing that. But where they need help most is rebounding, and I just found it surprising that they were not targeting that at all uh, towards the trade deadline. So my other loser was a team you know that we said Boston could have made a trade with, and that's the Bulls. Because the Bulls traded uh, Gibson and Dougie McBuckets to the Thunder. They got rid of their bench depth. And they didn't trade anything else. Like they didn't blow it up, but they didn't get any pieces in play to to make a run. Like they're only one game behind the Pacers for the sixth seed and three and a half out of the fifth seed. Like I feel like they either should have said, "Hey, we're gonna add more pieces around Wade and Jimmy Butler and look to you know make a push," or you trade, you try and trade those guys and you just say, "Hey, we're gonna start from scratch and we're gonna completely rebuild." I feel like. The fans in Chicago are confused. I don't know if the front office really even knows which direction this team is going in. And they're just a team that's an organization that's in limbo. And they're going to be for the the time being, it looks like. Yeah, they still have Rajon Rondo coming off the bench. They they didn't want to get rid of him. I mean, realistically, you could have traded everybody and just blew it up. You could have traded Butler for picks. You You could have certainly... Traded Rondo. You could have traded Wade. You could get rid of these guys. Yeah, it is a little bit harder with Wade because you know the contract is so big and it's hard to find a match in the NBA with that. But I tend to agree with you. They got rid of Doug McDermott. Okay, that doesn't really matter much. Taj Gibson, pending free agent. That doesn't matter much either. But the guys you get back in return, Joffrey Laverne, not expecting much out of him. Anthony Morrow, journeyman in the NBA who can shoot. Cameron Payne, we've always heard the hype around him but haven't necessarily seen stuff. Yeah, I guess there's a chance that Cameron Payne could start at the point guard position because they've been rolling out Jerry and Grant. But, I mean, Rajon Rondo just last night got 29 minutes. So, I don't know what they're getting in Cameron Payne either. I agree with you. I I really don't know where the Bulls are at. I don't even think they know what they're doing either. So, the guys who we didn't see get traded in Jimmy Butler and Paul George, do you think we could see them traded in the offseason? Like, you know, say come June around the, the draft. Like, that's usually when we see a lot of big trades go down. So is that more than likely where we will see these guys be moved? To be honest, I think it's more likely that Paul George is moved because just like you mentioned, I don't think the Bulls know what they're doing and I don't think they 
are going to know by the time the offseason comes either. I get it that Jimmy Butler is in his prime now. Personally, I think they should keep him around and kind of try and get everyone else and build around him, maybe put some shooters around him, uh, get some other good defenders, and you could kind of go back to that, that mold that they had before where they were you know defense first. But I think it's more likely that Paul George is traded here. I don't think that he wants to sign a long-term deal in Indiana next year. He will be going into his contract year. We've heard it rumored that he might want to go back to L.A. because he did play in Fresno State. He's from that area. So... You know, I think it's more likely that he ends up in L.A. or is traded to maybe Boston for... Don't overlook. I mean, L.A. could make a trade for him, man. Like They do have a lot of young pieces. They have I mean, a lot of young could pieces. Could give up Brandon Ingram, maybe their draft pick. If they finish in that top three, they could end up with a top three pick. So I think the Lakers are certainly a possibility. Maybe Boston again. Boston is waiting because they know once... If they get that first overall pick, it will become even more valuable then. Because right now... You know, there's a chance. It is a great chance, but it is still a lottery. So we don't know that they're going to have the first pick. Once they for sure have that first pick, it becomes even more valuable because you know that you have your pick of any player you want in this draft, which is a loaded draft. So maybe the Celtics look to trade that pick once they know for sure what it is. I do think that there's a better chance that Paul George is traded than Jimmy Butler, though. And, I mean, like we said, there's a lot of names who we had heard rumored Jalil Okafor, Greg Monroe, Brandon Knight. None of those guys were moved. And you're this shaking your head right now in disgust. Because I, I went on here and I said it was a for sure thing that Jaleel Okafor was going to get traded. Because I really thought it made the most sense. Now, why didn't they do it? Apparently they were getting low ball offers. They were trying to get a first round pick for Okafor. One year after taking him in the top three picks in the first round. So they couldn't even get a first round pick for Jaleel Okafor. And what did you settle for? You traded Nerlens Noel for what is likely going to become two second-round picks and Justin Anderson? Two weeks ago... Not really great before value. Before it went away, I remember we were predicting some trade deadline stuff. And I, I said I think the biggest name traded would be Serge Ibaka. And if it wasn't for DeMarcus Cousins being a, a, a probably nutcase, right. I would have been right. But Ibaka played well yesterday, but... You know, he ate into minutes of uh, the guys already there that we had seen established. So we're going to talk about all these players that were moved for a fantasy standpoint, how it affects them, how it affects their new teams uh, right after this break. So stay tuned for more from the Fantasy Basketball Weekly. And we're back. Fantasy Basketball Weekly. Frank Stample here with the returning Michael Florio. We're talking about everything that went down at the trade deadline, even before the trade deadline, DeMarcus Cousins was the big trade that went down on Sunday. So we will talk about how uh, him and Anthony Davis played together in that first game on Thursday night against the Houston Rockets. And we'll get to as much as we can, Mike, involving the players that were traded at the deadline, how they fared in their first games, what we can expect moving forward. But uh, I know that you you got a Twitter question, so you already answered it for the for our faithful follower, but we will answer it on air so as well. What is it? Ben Joyce said, should he drop Zach Randolph for Nerlens Noel in a normal points league? Now, this is a little bit closer in a points league because Zach Randolph, he does exactly what you want in a points league. He gets you, he scores 14 points a game. He's averaging eight rebounds a game. So we're looking at a guy who's getting close to 25 fantasy points per game. But with that being said, he is a little bit older. I expect Nerlens Noel's role, uh, to he's going to be the starting center on this team. I think he'll get 25 to 30 minutes consistently. While he might not score as much real-life points, I think when you add everything together, the points, rebounds, steals, 
blocks that he's going to get, I think there there is much more upside here. I'd rather take a shot on Nerlens Noel, even in a 10-team league. Me too. I, I think he could have a larger role with uh, the Mavs than what Zach Randolph currently has. Uh, yeah, Zach Randolph's only playing 24 minutes a game, too. Exactly. I think the Mavs are going to give Noel uh, every chance to succeed. I know Dirk has been playing better as of late, but he's not really you know a down-low presence Whereas I think that'll be Noel's uh, job. I just I, I, maybe I'm a sucker for upside, but I do really like the opportunity that Noel is going to get in Dallas. Yep, agreed, 100. percent So I mean, he we didn't see him yet debut with the Mavericks, but we saw a lot of players. I feel like we got to. I know it's two days old by this point, but kind of got to start with Cousins and uh, Anthony Davis. You know, in in. Uh, in New Orleans. New Orleans. I don't know why I was drawing a blank. Yeah, there, let's but. talk about that first game together. Cousins played 35 minutes. Anthony Davis played 33. Uh, we saw Cousins have a monster, monster all-around game. This was surprising. I mean... 27 points on 11 of 19 shooting, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 steals, 4 blocks. Really, really great game all around. Anthony Davis also had a great game. 29 points, 9 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 8 of 21 from the field. I think this is going to be a very tough combination to stop, but something that we spoke about on the Fantasy BFS is the supporting cast of this team is just not good. They started Solomon Hill, they started Etwan Moore, now they also just signed Jared Jack, they signed Hollis Thompson, um, but they got rid of Terrence Jones maybe, and they lost Caspi. maybe a little bit earlier than they wanted to because now Caspi is gone, he broke his finger, they already waved him, so you know they got rid of Terrence Jones a little too fast, in my opinion. I'm sure that they're uh, they're kicking themselves for doing that. But I just think the supporting cast for the Pelicans is just is not good enough. It is only one game. They were going against the Rockets, who you know score so effortlessly. You know James Harden only scored 13 points in that game, but they still managed to put up 129 points. So that tells you how deep the scorers are on that Rockets team. I think we could see Drew Holiday take a little bit of a step back here because there is so much usage between Cousins and Anthony Davis, something that we talk about all the time. Cousins is such a great passer as a big man, so we saw the five assists remain there. I think the offense is going to run through him, similar to how it kind of runs through Jamon Green and Golden State. I know they're different kinds of players, but you could give Cousins the ball at at the free throw line and just let him like, you know, face the basket, throw it down low to Anthony Davis, maybe kick it out, body you down. He could also stretch the floor. He's not a great shooter, but he's not terrible. So I do, and you, like you said yesterday on BFFs, Anthony Davis could be used in that same style. So I think that's something we're going to see both of them kind of do. The offense is going to run through these two guys. And it, it could be interesting to see, you know, like, yeah, they're obviously going to play a lot together, but you could leave one of these two in at all times, and you're always going to have a, a top big man in, in at that point. So I think Drew Holiday, maybe he could get, you know, he could rack up some more assists, but I, I am worried about him. I think his numbers as a whole kind of take a hit. Yeah, and it sucks, too, because heading into the All-Star break, Drew Holiday was absolutely on fire, uh, something like the top, he was in the top five of point guards over the past month, I believe. He, he was really doing great things. But maybe he just takes a step back with so much usage uh, between those two big men. Mike, how about on the other side of that trade, the Sacramento Kings? You know what was a fun fact? You actually were just talking about Cousins being you know, a good shooter, not a great shooter. You know, heading into this trade, he had more three-pointers made on the season than Buddy Heald did. I did know that. That is just insane. Yeah, so it really shows you the versatility and how uh, DeMarcus Cousins has evolved I gotta, his I game. i got to take some credit here, though, because I was hyping up Willie Cully-Stein, saying this guy is a former you know, top-ten pick. 
he never really got a chance. Last year, and sporadically when he would get games or he would see big minutes, he would play well. So I wanted, I kept clamoring, give this guy a chance. Let's see what he could do. In 35 minutes, he had the game of his life. 29 points, 10 rebounds, uh, a block, a turnover. I, this guy he did it efficiently too. Fourteen of twenty-two from the field. Yeah, That's this guy. Awesome. You're gonna give him a chance. He's gonna get all these minutes. I'm adding him in every league right now if I can. Yeah, I got him in a few leagues. I know a few people were skeptical because, oh, is he gonna start? Costa Kufis is still there. Well, you know what? Costa Kufis started in this game and he got 21 minutes. But we know what we know who Costa Kufis is. Cully Stein not only saw more minutes. Do you think he could steal a starting job? Or do you think yeah. it even matters? Do you think we're just gonna see him get the, the most allotment of minutes going yeah, forward? Yeah, I, I don't think it matters. I think he's gonna see 30 plus minutes consistently now. It's it's addition by subtraction for the Sacramento Kings. You have to see what you have in Willie Cauley Stein because he is so young, but he has a ton of upside. Uh, he he's a very long big man. He's athletic. He reminds me a lot of a young Tyson Chandler. I do think he's a little bit more offensively polished all around than Chandler is. But you know he can catch alley oops. He can get putbacks. Pretty good rebounder. Very good shot blocker in college as well. So if he's playing thirty plus minutes per game, we're talking about a guy who. It's going to give you close to a double-double consistently, maybe even more points than I expected, closer to the 15-point range. But he could also get you one to two blocks per game, so don't sleep on that. The other guys that came over in that trade, Buddy Heald, 16 points on 6 of 10 shooting with 6 rebounds and assist a steal. I really like the efficiency here. Now, I know that hasn't been his strongest uh, suit so far this season, playing with the Pelicans, but... His role was a little bit inconsistent with the Pelicans. Yeah, I know he was starting as of late, uh, came off the bench here, but they're enamored with him in this organization. We heard that we, we hear the jokes, you know, them comparing him to Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry in, in the Sacramento front office. He's not going to be that guy. But in 12, 14 team leagues, if you need scoring, you need some three pointers. I think that they're going to give Buddy Buddy Heal twenty five to thirty minutes consistency consistently because we know uh, they want to see what they have in this kid. Yeah, I mean, and and we only saw one game of it, but like you said, he did come through pretty solid in twenty six minutes, sixteen points. So you got to take a chance there. Another player we saw traded that I felt worked out for both sides, you know, was Sweet Lou Williams. Like Lou Williams had a great game for Houston the other day. He wasn't shy. He shot a bunch of threes. He had a great performance. But then last night, the Lakers came out, and D'Angelo Russell killed, and Jordan Clarkson played really well. So this is going to help, I think, both sides, because you know we saw Eric Gordon and Lou Williams play well for Houston the other day. Are they, it's probably going to be inconsistent, because like James Harden only had 13 points, but so that their production may be a little inconsistent. But I mean, you, if you own D'Angelo Russell right now, you have to be excited. Yeah, I think this is partially the Magic Johnson effect because he was making comments on the Lakers organization earlier in the year and about D'Angelo Russell that he wants to get more out of him. He wants to motivate D'Angelo Russell. He wants them to play more minutes and be involved more in the offense, and we saw exactly that. 36 minutes, 29 29 points. points. On 12 of 26 shooting, I think that is the the biggest key here is that he did it somewhat efficiently. He, he filled in the other categories too, though. Six assists, four rebounds, four steals. And that's exactly what we were drafting him for. That exact upside is that he can be a 20-point scorer, get you around five assists, and we really liked him for his three-point shooting and his steals upside. So we could be looking at a player, you know, a player that we were drafting in the top four or five rounds this year that we expected to take another step and be a top 50 player. We could see him be that top 50 player from here on out for the rest of the season. And, I mean, don't overlook Clarkson. The guy got 29 minutes off the bench, 14 points, 
five rebounds, five assists, four steals. Yeah, I think the biggest winners here for the Lakers heading into the second half of the season is that Magic Johnson said he wants to see the younger players get more minutes down the stretch here. So Brandon Ingram played 39 minutes, so he's going to see an uptick in usage and production. D'Angelo Russell, Nick Young will probably take a backseat to Jordan Clarkson, who is a younger player who they want to see what what they can get out of him. I'm actually surprised that Jordan Clarkson has been in this role, this kind of inconsistent role for the entire season, because he is still so young, and they just signed him to that contract extension in the offseason. So I was a little surprised how they were using Jordan Clarkson for most of the year. And then another guy, Ivica Zubats, a guy that we were talking about all year long who has a little bit of upside, 11 points, 6 rebounds, 3 blocks. Magic Johnson specifically spoke about Zubats as well, said that he needs to get more minutes because he thinks he can be a starting center in the NBA. So I think that is another guy that we're going to see in uptick in production. Mike, you mentioned before the break the Toronto Raptors and how they used Sergi Baca last night. Now, as Va- Jonas Valanciunas owners, should we be worried because Easily. we saw they went to a lineup where they were playing a little bit more small ball and they were very effective in that lineup and Jonas Valanciunas took a back seat on the bench. He came out in the middle of the third quarter and did not see the floor again. And that was without Kyle Lowry. So, you know, you, you got to think they'd be even more efficient in their small ball lineup with their best player or, you know, arguably their best player. But Ibaka... Helps teams do this. You know, we used to see it with the Thunder when he would play the five for them because he can stretch the floor on offense. He's a good rim protector on defense. He's going to get a lot of block shots. He is one of those players. Like, the Thunder used to do it when they would have, like, KD, Westbrook, Harden, and him out there. That And, and it worked. And then we saw, you know, like, he is one of those guys who could do that. And if you are a Jonas Valachunas owner, you have to be worried. And if you own uh, Lucas Nokajira... You gotta be you gotta be looking to drop him, I think. Baby Noguera. Because I mean <laughs> zero points yeah, in eleven minutes. Yeah. It's he, over for him. He only played in the first half, I believe. So him, the ride is over. You gotta cut him. If you own Valachuinas, you gotta be scared, man. You gotta be thinking, can I even start this guy going forward, or is he just bench depth for me? Before they traded for PJ Tucker, I was very high on Norman Powell. I was excited. I was like, yes, finally unleash the Norman Powell. I know you've been waiting for be, Norman Powell for a while. He can now. be the sixth man off the bench. He can be that wing player that they need. Nope. PJ Tucker came in only 17 minutes for Norman Powell. Maybe give him a shot at another game or two, see how they use him, but he's likely a drop candidate here. A guy that we haven't spoke about from the trade deadline yet is P.J. Tucker and he was part of that small ball lineup that they played where they had Corey Joseph in at the point then they have DeRozan at the two and then you can flip-flop P.J. Tucker and Damare Carroll playing the three and the four and then use Serge Ibaka at the five so that is a very interesting lineup and I think that plays off of what you were talking about with Valanciunas they're going to do this consistently especially the way teams are playing now in the NBA we're seeing a lot more teams go to that small ball lineup Serge Ibaka is definitely athletic enough to guard some of those stretch fours uh, to match other teams as well. P.J. Tucker had a very efficient game here, played 29 minutes, scored 9 points on on 2 of 5 shooting, added a 3-pointer, 10 rebounds, 3 steals. I think that that is going to be his role consistently moving forward. He's going to be a 27, 28-minute kind of guy off the bench, and especially if they want to go to this small ball lineup, we could see this even more not going to give you a lot of points, but he's going to rebound, give you a couple threes, give you steals. I think P.J. Tucker is a guy looking at in maybe you know deeper 12-team leagues that have more bench spots. Certainly 14-team leagues, you should be looking at P.J. Tucker, though. And I know we spoke about Nerlens Noel. We, we're still awaiting his debut with the Mavs. 
But on the other side, you know, the team that traded him on Philly, we all got excited for Jalil Okafor. Was that the right decision? I mean, first game without Noel and with Embiid sitting out due to, you know, his knee contusion. Okafor only played 22 minutes, had 11 points on three of six shooting. The real winner was Sarek, who had 33 minutes, 20 points, 10 of 19 shooting, 10 rebounds, uh, I'm sorry, 11 rebounds, four assists, a steal. Like, he filled the box score. Whereas Okafor, we, you know, we were excited because on this guy on a per 36 minutes, he puts up monster numbers. We were expecting him to see 30-plus minutes. He only played 22. Yeah, this really sucks. I think it's going to be a lot of the same here. I think his role is going to be inconsistent with the 76ers. He only played 22 minutes in a game that Joel Embiid didn't play in. Yeah. So he scored 11 points, gave you two rebounds. He's not a great rebounder. We were talking about the other day, once this trade happened, uh, once the Ilyasova trade happened, where Ilyasova went to the Hawks, Dario Sarge must add in all leagues. It doesn't matter. Eight-team league, 10-team league, anything that you're in, Dario Sarge was a must-add because of this. Heading into the trade deadline, he was on fire. But in this game, we really, really see his complete upside. 20 points, 11 rebounds, uh, 4 assists, a steal. He didn't make any three-pointers, but there are going to be games where he attempts more three-pointers. He's going to make one to two threes a game. He's going to give you high points. I love Robert Covington here as well. He's a guy who's really taken off this year, could give you points, three-pointers, and steals. The 76ers have such a great young nucleus, and especially now we get the news Ben Simmons is shut down for the season. Dario Saric and Robert Covington, their role for the rest of the season is cemented. Even in games when Embiid plays, those are going to be the games where Embiid plays 25 to uh, to 28 minutes a game. Jaleel Okafor isn't going to play in those games. I really do believe that Dario Saric and Robert Covington's roles are safe with the 76ers. Do you think Okafor is going to get DNP? Yes, I do. I think yeah. in the games where Embiid doesn't play... Can they please Okafor, trade this guy already? Can they please? They're wasting his ability. I know he, he's a head case. He's had off-the-court issues. And he doesn't want to be there. He, he doesn't. I really think they're going to trade him. He's going to go somewhere. He's going to be motivated. He's going to get a chance. He's going to play well. I know he's a terrible defender. That's not going to change. But... He is a solid offensive player, yeah. So are a lot of players in the NBA. There are a lot of bad defensive yeah, players. Yeah, this, his style may not fit. I know he's kind of a, a big man who needs the ball in his hand back to the basket, but he, he we've seen his ability. You know, he showed flashes of it in his rookie year. He was great in college. I, I don't know. I was This is a kid I was really excited about back when he was on Duke, and I, I just... I don't know. I feel like Philly has really messed this situation up, and they need, even though they traded Noel, they still need to trade Okafor. Yeah, I do agree. I think they'll look at that in the offseason, but what they need to do is they need to build up his trade value, and to do that, they need to play him, but I just don't see it happening in the games that Embiid is going to play. I don't know. We, we said the Knicks needed to play Derrick Rose to build up his trade value, but yet here he is. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. Uh, but real quick, I do think it's worth mentioning Rashawn Holmes, who finally got a chance to play 26 minutes, had a double-double in this game off the bench. Huge game, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 2 steals, and 5 blocks. So if you're playing in a deeper league, in those games where Embiid is back, I still think Rashawn Holmes is going to be the backup big. I think, I really do believe that Okafor is going to get some DNP CDs. But Mike, when we come back, we're going to touch on the rest of these trades that happened at the deadline. We're going to evaluate them, There's what it means for fantasy. A lot of players coming back from injury. Yep, and we'll touch on that when we come back on Fantasy Basketball Weekly on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
Welcome back to Fantasy Basketball Weekly, where we continue to break down all the moves we saw at the trade deadline, or, you know, the moves we didn't see at the trade deadline. What is Kevin Love? (laughs) Baby, don't hurt him. He's injured a lot. Keep going. Yeah, that's all I've got. (laughs) So, yeah, like I was saying, we saw a lot of players move, players not moved at the deadline, and we're breaking down what it means for you at uh, on a fantasy level. And a team that I am actually very interested to talk about, they only traded P.J. Tucker, but you know they're, they're really making a commitment to playing their young players now. And the organization has said it, the veteran players have said it, and that is the Phoenix Suns. And the player that I'm most excited for here is Marquise Chris. This is a guy that coming into the year, Frank, I know was hyping up. He was telling me, watch out for this kid. And I mean, it, it looks like a good call. Last night, he scored 17 points on 7 of 10 shooting. Seven boards, one assist, two steals, two blocks, and 33 minutes. And uh, Suns GM, prior to the game, said they are going to give Marquise Chris a lot of opportunities to close out the year. And, I mean, they put their money where their mouth was. They gave this kid 33 minutes. And I think this is something we can expect down the stretch. The Suns are a team not playing for anything. Chris is a a young, uh, high upside player, and they're going to see what they have in him. Something that I do think that we have to consider here is that it was an overtime game, so I'm not sure that he'll consistently see close to 35 minutes, but 25 to 30, I think that's certainly doable. P.J. Tucker used to play a lot of the four for this team when they would also go with a smaller lineup. So Marquise Chris in a 25 to 30 minute role, I think he could give you close to 15 points, could hover, uh, hover around a double-double, has steal potential, has block potential because he is a very long player, has some defensive upside, can stretch the floor. He's a really fun player to watch because he's really athletic. He can catch all the alley-oops. He can make the dunks, but he's a big man, and he can step outside and shoot. So he's a really, really versatile player. Uh, I think it makes sense for the Phoenix Suns to see what they have him for the rest of the way. I think he's a top 120, top 100 player from here on out uh, in category leagues, in 12-team leagues. I certainly say that you should go out there and own him here. Really, a lot of the, anyone that you could get your hands on in this Phoenix Suns lineup, if TJ Warren is available in some leagues, he's a player that they also really like. last night, 17 points, 8 of 14 shooting, 8 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 38 minutes of play. And that that is closer to, to what I think we can expect. I think we could see TJ Warren in a 32 to 34 minute roll consistently here he could score he could shoot a little bit uh he can get you steals as well so tj warren is a guy that you could look at in deeper leagues i do like alex len still because he's we've disappointed seen, last night he's, one game but. he definitely did disappoint he got to play 35 minutes but only 4.7 rebounds did have two blocks that's what i like most about his game is that he can rebound and he can block shots he's very long he's the, seven foot tall the biggest thing though was that they benched tyson straight chandler. up benched tyson chandler in an overtime game like you said and tyson chandler even said you know we're a young team we have to give these young kids time to play so it's nice to see a veteran like tyson chandler not be like give me minutes give me minutes like he's saying we need to let like alex len start and develop and see what he has to offer That is really cool to see in the NBA because a lot of guys just want to get out there and play. But look, Tyson Chandler is on the back end of his career. He's still getting a paycheck. I don't think it really... Obviously, it it, it matters to him whether he plays or not, but he's taking on more of a player-coach role here. I think what is even more telling, Brandon Knight DNP CD here, where he's not an older player. Brandon Knight is 25 years old. But I really just think he doesn't factor into the Phoenix Suns' plans. They have their backcourt of the future in Devin Booker and Eric Bledsoe. 
And a guy that they want to get more work moving forward is Tyler Eulis. So I think that he is going to be the backup point guard moving forward here. Six points, four assists in only 13 minutes. I'm not sure he's going to play much more than that. He'll probably play around 15 minutes per game. Maybe in a much deeper league, you can take a, a speculative flyer on Tyler Ewis, but I do think he is going to be the backup point guard moving forward Moving forward for the Phoenix Suns. And we saw his upside uh, in college last year. He's definitely you know a fiery player, a fun player to watch. Uh, he, he's in the Isaiah Thomas role in that he's very, very small. Obviously not the same player. I but, root for guys like that. Yeah, because we're small guys, Mike. Yeah, I know. That's why I like Isaiah Thomas, man. He's so much fun to watch. He's so tiny. He's nah, just I'm still not rooting for the Boston Celtics. I'm sorry. Fair enough. So let's move on to the Orlando Magic, the other side of that uh, Sergi Baca trade, is that we saw Terrence Ross move over to the Orlando Magic. He started in their first game back. They played on Thursday night right after the trade deadline, and he started at the small forward position and was certainly not shy in his first game. He took 17 shots. He only made 4 of 17. I think his role here is pretty safe in that he's going to start NC 30 minutes. Now take that with a grain of salt because we've seen Frank Vogel do crazy things this year. You know, not start Alfred Payton, consistently change up the rotation. Uh, so let's see what happens moving forward. But I, I think Terrence Ross is going to be the starter here. They traded for him for a reason. He's really just a, a points and three-pointers guy. Can maybe contribute some steals. But I'm excited to see that. He actually attempted 17 shots in his first Ross game. Ross is a player when he used to be with the Raptors. I've always wanted to see him in a larger role because he is really athletic. I always thought he could be a, a good scorer. I mean, yeah, 4 of 17 shooting isn't going to get the job done. But if he's getting you know 15-plus shots a night, I am intrigued as to what he can give you. I know he's a terrible defender. He's not going to give you much. I mean, he gave you five rebounds last game, but... He's not going to give you a crazy amount more. He's a pure scorer, but I've always been intrigued to see what he could do in a larger role. Yeah, the biggest thing that I like here from the Magic perspective trading Ibaka was that they are allowed to play Aaron Gordon at his natural position at the power forward. Now, again, he is really close in terms of being a physical specimen to Blake Griffin. His game is actually very similar to you know the way that they started off their careers they tried to make Aaron Gordon, even Frank Vogel admitted to this, he wanted Aaron Gordon to be like Paul George. You know, be a small Which forward not. who can stretch the floor and shoot threes. He's been attempting so many three-pointers this year. That's why his field goal percentage is down. Aaron Gordon is not a shooter. He's an above-the-rim kind of player who should be playing in the paint. Think, very similar to Blake Griffin's I think you the role. On the head. You look at him and you watch him play and you think this is a guy, you know, a freak athlete who is of a similar build of Blake Griffin. I don't look at him and see Paul George. I mean... Come on. And maybe it's because him and Blake Griffin kind of even look alike a little bit. But <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a good point. But now he's going to be playing the four consistently for the Magic. We'll likely hover around a double-double per game. Maybe still add a three per game. Has some defensive upside as well. Uh, but something to monitor is that he was battling a foot injury. So keep that in mind uh, moving forward. Mike, we mentioned earlier on that Terrence Jones got cut. Where do you think are some places that he can land? Because the Brooklyn Nets are a team that's void of talent. I think they can certainly use him. I don't see if he... It, do they take a fire on him? I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the Nets are going to... The Knicks? Kristaps Porzingis injury? Do they possibly take a fire on I Terrence I think the Jones? Knicks have their in-house replacements in Hernan Gomez and Kylo Quinn. That is certainly... Uh, you know, I, I don't mind it because I really do like uh, Hernan Gomez and Kylo Quinn. How about the Miami Heat, a team that's been throwing out? I like how you're just Josh throwing out McRoberts. Bad teams. You don't think he can go to a winning team? 
I mean, he can, but why would he want to? I, it makes sense he, he can try and go for a chip, but when you're this young, don't you want to get onto a team where you can have possibly a starting role or True. a significant role with a the team? Heat, the Heat could definitely be one. They need depth. They, they've been starting Josh McRoberts. I mean, you see Rodney Magruder in there. Magruder! Yeah, they, <laughs> they are in need of depth. Yeah, so those are a few spots that I think Terrence Jones can land. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him uh, moving forward. We also saw a number, I mean, with the long the long layover of the All-Star game, we were able to see a number of big-name players come back from injury, most notably Chris Paul. He's back. I think he's back a little bit sooner than we had expected. Yep. But it's good that he's back because, you know, I mean, obviously he's a must-star guy, but we no longer in DFS or anything have to guess which of Crawford, Felton, Austin Rivers are going to have a big day. Do any of those guys to you have any fantasy value left, or are they just guys you can cut now? Well, Austin Rivers still managed to score 20 points last night, so I Dude, think... his dad does not want to get on his bad side. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, can you blame Doc Rivers? Happy wife, happy life. You don't want to have <laughs> upset the misses, so you got to continue to give Austin Rivers some minutes here. Raymond Felton is the one who takes the biggest hit. He was starting off and on while Chris Paul was out, so Chris Paul is back. I think Austin Rivers is going to be you know, one of the first guys off the bench, probably play 20 to 25 minutes a game. He can score and give you threes, but there are a lot of guys that that can give you that for fantasy purposes. We also saw Pau Gasol return. I know he came off the bench, but he played 27 minutes, 17 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 three-pointers, a block. This guy's back. I expect him next game to be back in the starting lineup. So a guy that we were a little bit excited to add a few weeks ago, David Lee, is that party over? You could just... Yeah, him, him, him and Dwayne Dedman, I would certainly look to to drop those guys, especially for some of the players that we've been talking about throughout the show. Where you know, because of the trade deadline, if you need points and threes, look at uh, look for a Terrence Ross. Uh, if Aaron Gordon is out there and you want to replace a big man position, you can add him. Even PJ Tucker is a guy who might be available. So there has been opportunity and guys that you can pick up because of the trades. I would certainly look to drop those those Spurs bigs that we added while Pau Gasol is out. But I do agree with you. And this was a really, really nice game because he was struggling early on in the season. So it's nice to see him come back and really, really kick it off with a bang, have a double-double right away, and the three three-pointers, all three of which he made in the in the first half. And the last player, a guy I know you were excited coming into the year, but we've hardly seen him play at all this year. Jeremy Lin returned to the action uh, on Friday. Only played 15 minutes. There's questions about how many minutes the Nets are going to give him per game, if they're going to play him and you know back-to-backs. We have seen the Nets be very uh, lenient with their players, give them a lot of rest and stuff this year. Is Lin someone you have any interest in, and you know who does this negatively affect if he's coming back and starting a point guard? So the only guys that it would really negatively affect are... Were, are the other point guards who were getting minutes on this team, the Isaiah Whiteheads, Spencer Dinwiddies. Those guys probably shouldn't have been owned My anyway. Man Spencer. Spencer, Di- yeah, you're a big Dinwiddie guy? Uh, yeah, that name. That, that name just screams out like, add me in fantasy. Dinwiddie. Uh, if you own these guys in deeper leagues, maybe still hold on to them because, it, I mean, I'm talking about like 16 team leagues or deeper where there's probably not much else. But Jeremy Lin is an actu- actually a guy that I would I would look to buy on right now if you can. It is a little risky because Kenny Atkinson doesn't play his players all that many minutes, and it has been a hamstring injury that's been bothering him all season long. I know a lot of trade deadlines are coming up very soon for fantasy basketball, but if you can buy low on Jeremy Lin right now, I would certainly do so. He only played 15 minutes, but he still had 7 points and 5 assists in that span. If he gets up to 25 minutes per game, 
we could see a guy who's giving you 15 points, seven, eight assists, a couple of three-pointers. So I think you could get him on the dirt cheap right now. Obviously, don't give up much, but I think Jeremy Lin is a good buy-low for the rest of the season. So we're going to continue to you know talk about all these moves and stuff, but we're going to do so now on how you should attack your waiver wire. And you know also, we're going to turn ahead to the fantasy playoffs and how you should be gearing up for that. So stay tuned for more from Fantasy Basketball Weekly. Final segment here, Fantasy Basketball Weekly. But we're not done helping, you know. We're going to talk about how you should attack players on the waiver wire after the trade deadline. We've already spoke about the big winners and losers and all the players it affects, but now how you should add them in fantasy. Plus, you know, some guys that maybe you want to take a little st- flyer and stash them as we start to look ahead to your fantasy playoffs, which, as Frank and I were just talking on the break, are quickly approaching us. Yeah, I didn't even realize that the regular fantasy season is only a few weeks left. Yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like the fantasy basketball season is its like baseball in a way. It's so long that, like, you kind of just get, like, like in the middle of the season, you're just in the – like, you, you feel like you have so much more time because, like, the season is so long. And then all of a sudden it's like, crap, I got to make a playoff push right now. Especially in leagues that try to end it a little bit earlier. I know in all the leagues that I commission, I – ended the season a little bit earlier this year because in those last you know week or two in the NBA we see so many teams lock down their their playoff seed that they start resting players and you know for teams that are out of it if they have superstars that are even a little bit banged up they'll just shut them down for the rest of the year so that's something to pay attention to for next year you know if you're a commissioner end your fantasy basketball season a week or two earlier than the NBA regular season because There are so many players that get shut down late that it really is not fair. It's not a fair playing field for every owner, and I think that is something to consider moving forward. So I know we we discussed Terrence Ross already, and we we did discuss Willie Cully-Stein, but to me those jump out as like must-add guys, as as well as like Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans should be owned in 12-team leagues. Just because he's going to play 25 minutes, there's a lot of usage there with DeMarcus Cousins out. Uh, and to a lesser extent, Buddy Heald, if you need points, threes. But we talk about a lot of these guys. He's more of a 14-team league ad if he's available. Lou Williams, obviously you're going to add him if he's out there. I doubt, he's I don't not know if available he is, in any leagues. TJ Warren, if he's out yep. there, you're I love the Suns right guys. Marquise Chris, TJ Warren. I love both of those guys in 12-team leagues moving forward. Tyler Eulis in deeper formats, maybe 16-team leagues or deeper if he's available. Uh, and some Chicago Bulls guys, Mike, that we didn't talk about. I was going to say, we saw, we saw Bobby Portis start at power forward for them. Yeah, but the thing is, he only played 16 minutes in an overtime game. So while I think they might start him, I'm not sure how safe his minutes are. He's a speculative ad in deeper leagues. But Miritich, a guy here who played 37 minutes in an overtime game, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. He was actually very efficient, 5 of 10 from the field. So I like Miritich as an ad here. Maybe they choose to go with smaller lineups where they play Miritich at the stretch four. The biggest problem Valentine with Miritich... Got 34 minutes for them last night. Yeah, yeah to, a, to another extent in deeper leagues, I do like Denzel Valentine a lot. But real quick on Miritich, he's a guy that I feel like I write about him every year for the waiver <laughs> wire, but his role is so inconsistent. I would love for him to just have a role where he plays even 25 to 30 minutes consistently consistently and we can see what he does at that stretch four position or maybe even play him at the three when you don't have Jimmy Butler or, or Dwayne Wade in that lineup so I want Miritich to see consistent minutes 
He's a guy that probably is owned in a lot of leagues, though. If he isn't, I'd think about adding Miritich. Now, Denzel Valentine in a deeper league as well. Right out of the All-Star break, we're seeing teams play their younger guys, the Phoenix Suns, the Los Angeles Lakers, and now the Chicago Bulls giving Denzel Valentine 34 minutes in this game. Scored 15 points. All of those 15 points were on three-pointers. He made five threes in this game, five rebounds, five assists, three steals. He was a player that was compared to Draymond Green coming out of college. Maybe it's because they both went to Michigan State, but they both do have that upside where they can consist, they can contribute across the board. Denzel Valentine, not nearly the defensive player Draymond Green is, but the three steals here are very nice, but he gives you five rebounds, five assists. He's an all-around player, and I would certainly call him a must-add in 14-team leagues so, or deeper. So real quick, other deeper league guys. KJ McDaniels, Andrew Nicholson from the Nets, any interest there? Tyler Ennis got traded to the Lakers. Those are guys who that were traded exactly at the deadline and didn't get to play last night. I think you, you take a wait-and-see approach with those guys. KJ McDaniels. Uh, see if he gets in the rotation with the Nets, but they, their rotation goes so deep with Kenny Atkinson. Same thing with Andrew Nicholson. I think he's he's a guy that, you know, you see if he plays with the Brooklyn Nets. Tyler Ennis is interesting because he is very young. He's a guy that you watch play at Syracuse. He never you know, got a chance in the league. He's never got a chance to play, so maybe he gets a chance on the Lakers. Not As sure a that backup, he would be. That's it. Not sure that there's going to be much Real role quick, there. Maybe 15 minutes is the most. Something I really wanted to emphasize. Maybe I should have said it sooner in the show. I, we kept saying you hold some fab for the trade deadline. Now is the time to unleash it, right? Like whatever fab you have left. If one of these guys, not like a Tyler Ennis, of course, but if like any of the guys that we said here, T.J. Warren, Tyreek Hill, Willie Cully Stein, if they're there, you got to blow your fab now because yeah, those were the. What are you going to save it for? Those were the biggest trades. At the deadline, so you should have already used a lot of that fab for for the Kings trade, the Willie Cauley Steins, Tyreek Evans, uh, Buddy Heald. You should have been using the fab there. That's a good point, Mike. Maybe next year. I really did stress saving all of your fab for the trade deadline. I still do kind of stick with it, but it seems like there are so many trades that are discussed that just never go down. So maybe you don't save as much fab as you want, but like we mentioned, there's only so much time left in the regular season, so you got to use the fab now. You can't take it with you, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess unless you know you're making the playoffs, maybe then you save a little bit of it just in case one of your guys go down or something like that. But now is also the time where you could start, I guess, doing the basketball equivalent of football handcuffing. Like, if you have an injury-prone guy, get the guy who's going to step up in his absence on your bench. There you have it. This was Fantasy Basketball Weekly. You can hear us every Saturday from 12 to 1 p.m. Up next, up next will be the Fantasy NASCAR Hour with Scott and Sean Engel getting you ready for the Daytona 500. It's been real. Stay classy, fantasy owners.